Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, we have kind of a long one today, so I wanna dive into it as quickly as possible. Dr. Amelia Kelly is back, and we are talking about healing from gaslighting. This conversation is awesome. Amelia blows my mind all the time. But I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who showed up to uh, last week's Q&A session. There were a lot of you there. It was a really great conversation. And I really appreciate the questions that everyone brought. Um, If you want to sign up for next month's Q&A, it will be on March 14th at 9.30 a.m. Pacific and uh, 12.30 Eastern. And you can sign up for it at the link in the show notes. Also, as always, Grit and Grace going strong. The retreat is almost full, so I would love it. If you are thinking about the retreat, you definitely want to sign up as soon as possible because on February 28th, the early bird price goes away. And so uh, you can find information on my website, kateanthony.com slash retreat. We are going to Sedona, April 26th through 30th. And you totally want to come. (laughs) All right. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Amelia Kelly on healing from gaslighting. Amelia, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. You are a fan favorite. And you're always a favorite of mine. So, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> hey, we're going to talk about healing from gaslighting. But let's first start with defining gaslighting because while it was 2022, Webster's 2022 word of the year, I think there is a lot of misconception about what gaslighting is and what gaslighting isn't. So, can we first right. define it? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. It's probably part of why it was word of the year because everyone's trying to figure out what it means. Right. So gaslighting is a form of emotional manipulation that is intended to throw the target off from their sense of reality, make them question things like who they are, what they believe in, whether or not their memory is even intact. Um, Mm. Gaslighting is truly meant to confuse. That is, that is the ultimate intention with the purpose of gaining control over the person that is being thrown off and confused and making the other person even question every single thing they've experienced. Right. I mean, it's really designed to make you question your reality, Mm -hmm. your own experience of reality, right? Mm -hmm. Um, which is why so many of the tools that, that we're going to talk about are really about grounding yourself back into yourself, right? Because 
True. When you like, what is the that experience, right? When when you have been sort of systematically gaslit um, over and over and over again to the point where you're questioning your reality, like what does that do to somebody? Well, essentially, initially, actually, I'll say initially, it can just, as we were saying, confuse you, throw you off, make you feel out of sorts. I I had described once a professional gaslighting I experienced that gave me a sick feeling in my stomach. Um, So initially, it can just be shocking. But from there, after a while, it starts to degrade things related to self-concept. And that can be things like self-esteem, which is related to your sense of self-worth, your self-confidence, which has to do with whether or not you believe you can accomplish things that you set out to do. Really anything that is involved with a self-conversation and agency can start to erode. And you can imagine how when those things erode, that can be the precursor to other mental health issues and not necessarily mental health issues that may be um, kind of more historically or genetically predisposed, but the mental health issues that can come as a result of chronic stress and chronic trauma. Mm, Yes. I once had a client who was living with such chronic gaslighting that there was a point at which we had a conversation that was very alarming to me and she really was beginning to lose her grip on reality. Mm-hmm. And it was very scary. Um, and it was also the moment that I think she started to realize as well. And she got out, she was still living under the same roof and it was just such a dangerous experience, but it was very, it was very alarming to me to, to witness that. Alarming in what way? I'm just curious because you were a witness to it. Well, just alarming as her coach to have been having sort of conversations and really getting to know someone. Do you get to know someone? And then when they show up on a call and they're, it's like something's not right. Mm-hmm. And it was the chronic stress. It was the fatigue. It was the, um, I mean, it was trauma. It was just, it was, it was mm-hmm. trauma. And I had been saying to her for for months like you have to get out from out of that house because mm-hmm. um being under the same roof with him was so dangerous mm-hmm. i mean and this was a very extreme case like very extreme he was a psychopath full blown psychopath so it was alarming <laughs> it was very alarming to have someone who's smart like really intelligent really accomplished really like capable start to sound none of those things And I think that was what intrigued me when you said alarming and why I wanted to ask, because Mm. for the bystanders or people on the outside looking in, it can feel, to use your word, alarming in a way where you can know someone who is so intelligent and so capable and so strong, and it can even confuse someone else looking in. Why don't they see what's happening? Yeah. Why are they not picking up on this? Right. Which can feel really create a very helpless feeling for loved ones or people who are coaching or or counseling someone who is being so actively gaslit. And I think even worse and more frightening is when the outsider starts to believe, oh wow, she really maybe she is the crazy one in this. 
maybe he's actually telling the truth. You just brought up such a complex thing that can happen in counseling. Actually, we will get someone in our office and we know as a therapist, we're receiving one part of the story. Right. And I have had clients who are so masterfully gaslit that they start to bring me their gaslit story into their session. Hmm. So they will self-blame right, or self-persecute for things. And it sometimes will take a while of unpacking little details before something stands out and I'll have to double back. And as a therapist ask, okay, wait, hold on. Can we touch stone with where you're getting this information? Is this person ever apologizing? Is this person ever taking responsibility? Mm-hmm. How is it that you are always the one at fault? Or even something as simple if they come into a session and let's say they're always on time, they're always respectful, they're always expressive, and they're being gaslit to feel like they're a mess Mm, and they're the cause of everything crumbling within this marriage. And it takes someone who's aware of gaslighting, which is why it's so important we talk about this, Yes, to pick up on these little cues. If I'm seeing this person come in my door every week, they're consistent, they're engaged, they're on time, they're respectful. And as someone who's aware of gaslighting myself, I might be able to say, wait a minute, what I know of you is not at all matching what this person is telling you. Mm -hmm. Right. But unless we all, Mm -hmm. right, unless we all understand what this term means and rally behind each other, we can't support each other if we notice this is happening to someone else. Uh, Yes, that's right. That's right. And Mm -hmm. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's eroding that self-perception, right? Mm -hmm. It's you're, you're doubting everything. You're doubting all of your experiences. So then you start to doubt yourself when you doubt your, all of your experiences. And then you start to doubt your, then you begin to doubt yourself. That's sort of a natural progression. I want to debunk one of the myths that, that sort of comes up all the time is lying gaslighting. It depends on what type of lying. Mm-hmm. So just complete dishonesty itself is not an act of gaslighting. It could be an act of control or other emotional forms of abuse or toxicity, or even just pathological as well. People can pathologically lie for a variety of reasons. It is an addiction. Mm-hmm. But lying in order to deny the tactic, the tactic of denial that is a form of gaslighting. So if someone says, you know, you never told me about this, or you never said you were going to do that, just in relation to a conversation in a dynamic, if that's completely not true, and the reason they're lying is to throw you off or to make you doubt yourself or doubt what you said, that itself would be gaslighting. So it depends on the intention behind the lying. Yes. Right. Act right. So if if it's if it's just like I went to the, you know, oh, I was at so and so's house, but they weren't. That's just a lie. <laughs> right. Yes. But, but if you're like, but I have a text message here that says that you were at so and so's house. I never sent that text. I don't know what you're talking about. That's, that's the, the gaslighting. gaslighting. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent example. 
Right. And it's, and the fact that you're bringing up the, the need to debunk the myths around gaslighting, this is why it's very important to be clear about what it means, because when someone uses the term gaslighting to defend themselves or to stand up for themselves, and it's not gaslighting, unfortunately, that can further erode the power dynamic in a relationship even further. Mm -hmm. Um, So for example, if someone is in a relationship with someone who is really unreliable and they never show up and they can never count on them, the person who is being emotionally abused or treated poorly says, well, I just can't count on them. So they're obviously gaslighting me because they're never there for me. That's not gaslighting. Right. That's right. That's just just emotionally abusive. That's just a bad, toxic situation. Yes. And it, it is important, right? Because gaslighting is something that is so real to so many people, mm-hmm. as is evidenced by the fact that it was <laughs> 2022's word of the year. If we call everything that doesn't feel good to us gaslighting, then we completely, like, it, it loses its power. That's a perfect way to put that. Yes, we need to be able to decipher between the different forms of poor behavior that someone can have in a relationship. But it's important to also know that gaslighting is not new just because it was the word of the year last year with, I think I had shared that statistic with you, 1,740% increase in searches for the word last year, which is wild. It is Um, wild. And to me, it speaks to an awakening, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm shocked that it wasn't in 2016, to be honest, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, or 2017 (laughs) or 2018, but that it was last year just tells me, and it's, and it, and it mirrors what I experience in my practice, that there is an awakening happening. And you know what? I think there needed to be for this awakening to happen a building process because speaking of 2018, the word toxic was the word of the year. Yeah. So think of it this way. Gaslighting is a toxic behavior, but Mm -hmm. there were so many toxic things happening in 2018 that that was the word that stood out. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that this constant effort, important effort, to take groups that have been pushed aside, marginalized, or stereotyped to be coming to the forefront and saying, no, you can't quiet us. Mm-hmm. I feel like that that movement is driving the movement of people understanding this word more. That's right. I think you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. As much as I hate him with every fiber of my being, I do think <laughs> that Donald Trump is, you know, helped help this along, right? Because it was it was a voice that got really loud, right? It was the, a voice in the mm-hmm. system that got really loud that nobody could ignore anymore. And it became somewhat of a launch pad for, for healing or extricate, extricating ourselves from these toxic dynamics. It kind of reminds me of when, well, for instance, I know you work with quite a few individuals who are going through the journey of deciding to leave. Mm-hmm. Should I stay? Should I go divorce all of this important work you're doing? So right. many times I'll be working with someone who comes to a session and says, well, my ex or my soon to be ex did this horrible behavior. 
And we can, we can empathize and we can be in the moment, but often I try to point them towards this gratitude. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me of why I'm leaving. That's right. Thank you. Thank you for confirming. Thank you for being exactly who I don't want to be with. So to, to your point, when you bring up Donald Trump, thank you for being so painfully, glaringly obvious in your deceit in the public eye. Right. That it, I mean, it was almost humorous at times and it would have been funny if he hadn't had so much power, right. That's what made if he it wasn't the president, scary. Exactly. I mean, he was he was a joke when I you know I grew grew up in New York City. He was he it, well, we could laugh at him, right? But mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, then it became not funny. You said something that I want to go back to very quickly. Um, you said that lying is an addiction. Just a few mo- a few moments ago, can you explain that, please? Sure, sure. When it is pathological. So think of any addiction that helps to dampen or numb feelings of whether it be anxiety, insecurity, trauma. We can look at the more obvious substance use disorders. You go through this urge wave where you have tension, you have craving, and then you use the behavior or your drug of choice to curb the to curb that tension. And then it releases wave keeps going and going. Lying actually can serve a similar purpose when it is pathological, Mm. when it happens so frequently and so often that the individual isn't even conscious that they're doing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it can have a lot to do with things like narcissism, things like, um, feeling insecure, codependency, not being able to be present with the things that we don't love about ourselves that can, that can really motivate it. But sometimes you can look at some of the pathological lies that someone who's addicted to that behavior does. And it is so nonsensical. It doesn't really, there's really no good reason for some of the lying. And when someone's in that kind of pattern, they actually need to treat their pathological lying as an addiction and use similar treatments to work through it. Interesting. Yes. My -hmm. son has a friend who, I don't know what it is, but he, he, he knows that he has always lied ever since he Mm -hmm. was young. He has always lied. And so he's, he's aware of it and he's conscious of it. So he tells conscious lies about small sort of somewhat insignificant things in Mm -hmm. order to, I guess, like curb the craving to tell the bigger lies, (laughs) which I still think in an 18 year old kid is, is just, it's, it's strange, but also like, okay, well, you're, at least he's aware. I mean, it's pretty brilliant actually. in in a really (laughs) bizarre way, as long as it doesn't interfere with his life. Um, it makes me think of individuals I've worked with who engage in self-harm where there can be different reasons why, and I'm specifically something like cutting where they, maybe for some, it's a visual thing. Maybe the, the dopamine release and the endorphin release from the visual act is therapeutic to them. Mm. And so they have to do something different that is less dangerous. So I have one um, client who does henna on her arms or uses markers and draws. Like, so it kind of makes me think of you find what facilitates the urge 
and you do something that's less harmful mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. place of that. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, he's he's that's pretty brilliant that he figured that out. I hope he just stays out of trouble with that tactic. Uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> it's, you know, all of his friends know about it because he calls himself out on it, so everyone knows about it, and so it's just sort of a it's just sort of you know one of his quirks, but hopefully it doesn't interfere with his life and in general later down the line. But you know, okay, so. This is what gaslighting is. These are the effects. So how do we heal from it? I think I want to start this by saying you cannot heal from trauma that you're still experiencing. It does not. That does not work. That's a really good point. I mean, you can learn to cope with a trauma you're still experiencing, but to what level can that coping really benefit you is individual case by case. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's such a good point. It makes me think of a treatment like EMDR that you do for trauma. I plainly tell people if you're still using a substance or you're still in the trauma, you're still in the relationship, we can't use EMDR. It's not clinically sound because not only will it not lead to healing, but it might actually be detrimental. So Mm -hmm. removing yourself from the gaslighting really would be the ideal first step. Um, I know that's not always feasible for everyone, however. Yeah, when it's when it is safe to do so, I think is the main the main caveat. And if it is not safe to do so, that doesn't mean that you have to stay forever and that you can't get help and that you can't get relief, right? So right. Um, right. but it just means you're gonna need interventions like domestic violence advocates and uh domestic violence shelter. But truly, just if someone is listening to this conversation we're having, this is step one. Look learning what gaslighting is and being able to call it out when it happens. Because if you think about the whole point of gaslighting is to throw off your sense of reality and to have you question yourself. So if you are aware it's happening, that's the opposite of it being effective. Mm -hmm. Right. 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 So that's incredibly important. Now, someone who is really manipulative, who is very effective at these skills, are not going to be over in their tactics. The less detectable gaslighting is, the more effective it is. And the more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. true. I often feel very sort of a little angry sometimes about some of these like online quizzes, like, are you being gaslit or are you being emotionally abused? If you're, if you're, partner says these things to you and they're usually so overt that mm-hmm. right a, and and this was me right i'm like looking up like what is emotional abuse it was so overt that i was like oh i guess i'm not being emotionally abused which was mm-hmm. entirely untrue i was absolutely being right. emotionally abused even more so because it was so covert and because he was right. because he's so brilliant i mean my ex-husband is brilliant in many wonderful ways. But when we were together, he was also brilliant at confusing, gaslighting, and abusing in a way that was almost undetectable. And so that's the thing. Let's say we we actually have brought up obvious forms in our conversation today. We talked about, I never said that. I mm-hmm. never did that. Mm-hmm. I didn't send that text. These are denial tactics that we can point a finger at. Right. Quite, quite easily. However, something like, I can never believe what you say. Right. That's actually a form of gaslighting. Right. 
because it's questioning if it's the... not true. <laughs> right. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> right. Well, uh-huh. if they're triv- if they're trivializing an emotion you have, for instance, mm-hmm. if you are with someone who never, I don't want to say never because we don't want to be that dichotomous, but who very rarely at least validates your feelings okay. and minimizes, trivializes, makes you question your emotions, um blames you for bringing something up at the wrong time all the time, really devalues when you have a concern, that is a very covert form of Mm -hmm. gaslighting. Yes. And that was very similar to mine. It was sort of like, well, like, I know, I know I do, you know, X, Y, and Z, but you know, you really need to look at your part in this too, because, uh, you know, and he's not saying, uh, well, I wouldn't because I, I wouldn't have to, if you didn't, right? He's not saying that. Mm -hmm. He's saying, Mm -hmm. no, no, you're right. You're right. I totally bear responsibility here. And then somehow in the course of the conversation, it shifts to, "Mm, but you really have a lot of work to do too. And, you know, this is a two-way street and, you know, abuse by, to clarify is not a two-way street. (laughs) It's go so then that leads me going, oh, okay, so what is the thing that I have to work on? What are the things that I have to work on? Okay, I've got more to work on. Okay, I'll take another class, I'll get another therapist, I'll do another workshop, I'll right. And now I'm scrambling doing all the work and mm-hmm. he's not doing any. Mm-hmm. I've even seen that in couples counseling where someone will come in and it is all one person's fault Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the entire time, which is very hard to believe. Mm -hmm. And this is not even in something that might seem or appear to be very obviously abusive in nature, but it's just insidious. It's just a slow build towards something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that's the thing to remember too. You don't have to decide that gaslighting is unhealthy and that you don't want to put up with it. If it is not something that is glaringly abusive. And I'm I'm trying to be very clear about this because it can build. Someone can start off with very casual attempts at this. Yes. And the only way that it can really build is through repetition. So they're going to use those casual attempts and then they're going to build. And then from there, they're going to make stronger efforts to throw you off. Because at this point, you're already in a defensive mode. You're, you're kind already of primed. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. And from there, they're going to, and it really is a step process. From there, once they know they've had you primed and that you're pretty much going to believe the things that they say, and you're going to apologize even if it's not warranted, then they will further start weaponizing this. And you had talked about earlier that there can be instances where you hear of someone else being gaslit and then you start to wonder or question. Mm -hmm. That is something I want to really encourage listeners to be aware of, that if you feel like those around you are being pulled into these stories, for instance, family dynamics, family gaslighting is a scary thing because Mm -hmm. imagine you're in a family structure You're being gaslit by someone who's emotionally abusing you or in other ways. And then all of a sudden, your family members who want to avoid similar abuse start to go along with these unhealthy, illogical, unreal stories. Yeah. And they're aligning with the abuser. They're aligning with the abuser, enabling the abuser. Mm -hmm. Right. How much more difficult does that become 
to really regain your sense of awareness and your sense of self when it's not just the abuser, but all these other secondary players who are also aligning. It's really, it's really scary. Yeah. And, and it, and I've seen it happen often when it's the kids that are aligning Mm. with the other parent because they know, they know intuitively, they know that this is the safe, this is the safe bet. Mm -hmm. Right. It's preservation. Yeah. And in instances like that, so we were talking about what do you do to overcome this? Mm -hmm. You know, the first step was awareness. Another step really is seeking out a a non-party, someone outside of the situation, Mm -hmm. their perspective, Mm -hmm. their support. Mm -hmm. So finding even just one person that you can go talk to about this and just say, am I being gaslit? Is this what's happening? Is really important. Beauties of my Facebook group, right? You've got Mm -hmm. like 12,000 women going, oh girl, uh -uh." (laughs) (laughs) uh-uh. That is, you are being gaslit. And they go, oh my God, because we're living in our sort of myopic reality. And that's also the isolation is the design of the abuse that when you sort of just sort of tell your story, you know, like you said, to one person or, you know, you write it out in a group and the the overwhelming response is, oh no, no, that's not you. Like the the relief right. that these women feel. Mm-hmm. It's it's just unbelievable. And now for a quick word from our sponsor. The all-new, fully revised Should I Stay or Should I Go? After three years of this program existing in the world and changing women's lives, I decided to give it a full makeover. The all-new version has all-new videos, a podcast-like audio stream if you want to take the work on the go, and completely updated resources for deepening your learning. The program consists of six core modules, the first of which is Who Are You? This is the section in which you dig deeply into your own personal development and get in touch with your inner guide, slay your inner critics, mine for values, and learn how to set healthy boundaries. The second module is how you learn to love and helps you understand your attachment style, love languages, and how to properly love and care for the most important person in all of this, yourself. Module three is called, Why Are Women So Exhausted? and breaks down some of the issues around toxic masculinity and male entitlement, the myth of being a stay-at-home mom, and answers the question, he's fine, why can't I just be happy? Module four is all about understanding abuse and includes videos on trauma bonds, understanding the cycles of abuse, particularly how they play out in your own relationship, and addresses addiction, infidelity, and mental illness. Module five is all about healing and moving forward and includes videos about therapy, couples therapy, healing from betrayal, emotional regulation, and grief. This section also includes my 90-minute workshop, Tackling Codependence, as well as my signature relationship inventory that will help you gain complete clarity on all the parts of your marriage and figure out what's his and what's yours. And module six answers the question, is the grass really greener on the other side? With in-depth videos on dating, cultural and religious isolation, and what happens if you end up alone forever? Spoiler, you probably won't. Whether you decide to stay or go, this program will set you up for a lifetime of clarity and fulfillment. 
And if you've already decided to go, the program will help you unpack all that's happened and help you heal so that you can move forward without repeating the same mistakes that got you here in the first place. This program is priced super low at just $697. And if you use the code podcast, when you check out, you'll get $50 off the full price. What are you waiting for? You have been agonizing with this decision for long enough. It's time to finally know, should you stay or should you go? And now back to our episode. Right. Feeling like you don't have a good sense of your reality is so disorienting and it feels scary. Mm -hmm. And so having someone let you know that what you're feeling makes sense and that what your concerns are, are valid is everything in regaining your sense of self and regaining the ability to leave if you need to leave or to set boundaries if you need to set boundaries. Mm Mm-hmm. Without that, without an outside perspective, I'm sure there are people who could do it on their own, but I know I couldn't. I I would need someone to to bounce it off of at least and have at least a conversation. Oh my God, absolutely. You know, this is why I think it took me so long to get out and to like figure out what was going on. It was because it was, there was no one to talk to. There was no one to bounce it off of. There wasn't, we weren't talking about this overtly in, you know, there was no, there were no podcasts. There was no Instagram or, you know, Facebook was like, you know, look at my cat. (laughs) You know, we were just not having these conversations back in 2007, eight, nine. And so it was very, very confusing. And also it had been going on for so long that I had no sense of myself. Mm. And so anything that he said about me, I, I just sort of was like, I guess he, I guess it's true because I don't, I was so disconnected mm-hmm. from myself mm-hmm. um, that I couldn't check in with myself in any way, shape or form. And you just said two things that are so crucial to point out. And the first of it being if you don't know yourself and you don't have that, and and not to say as an overarching theme, but within this relationship, you're doubting yourself. Mm-hmm. It allows the abuser to have so many more opportunities to misbehave and so many mm-hmm. more opportunities to be abusive because we use that word prime. They've already primed you to be apologetic. They've already primed you to think that they have the greatest sense of awareness of reality. Actually, the term gaslight that that the movie yep. the 1944 Ingrid Bourbon movie that was Oscar winning, the the husband, a very charming husband in the movie was purposely doing things in the home like dropping the lights and clanging on. I mean, this was like a 1940s movie, but clanging on the pipes (laughs) and all these things to make her feel like she was going crazy. And who did she have to go to, to touch base about this? Who was her source of reality? None other than the gaslighter. Right. And he's like, no, what are you talking about? The lights aren't dimming. Mm -hmm. Right. Hear anything? Complete denial, complete denial which is a very obvious form of gaslighting. It was a movie. So it was much more entertaining that way. But Mm -hmm. the other thing you just mentioned was, I think you might've even just said like writing down or journaling. I don't know if that Mm. doing anything that helps you self-reflect is another way. So if we were going to say step one, identify step two, 
ask for some outside source of info, some support, touch base. Another step is to start documenting your experience. And Mm. this can be, first of all, because it helps you to take a step back and look almost from a third perspective on what you're experiencing. Writing taps into a completely different part of our brain, a completely different part of our psyche and allows us to unfold things that we may not even consciously know. So that in itself is powerful. But the other part is it is okay to collect information, if anything, to sound dramatic, but evidence Mm -hmm. about what Mm -hmm. you're experiencing. So don't let a gaslighter make you feel like you're being irrational or, or overdramatic by doing that. Yes. But also I think, and this is where I see this taking a, a, a sort of a a left turn. I think I know where you're going. <laughs> right. Is that then you take all the evidence to the gaslighter and you're like, look, I look, you are gaslighting me and you're, and you're going to them. Mm-hmm. But what you have to remember is that gaslighting is actually deliberate. Yes. It is deliberate. Mm-hmm. Not all forms of abuse are deliberate. Gaslighting is. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to bring this evidence to your gaslighter, they're going to gaslight you about your about the gaslighting. Right. So please, you are please, not, please. You're not getting evidence to bring to them to no. say, oh, my God, look, mm-hmm. you don't want to be like this. Like, mm-hmm. you don't want to be that person. Like, what are you talking about? Absolutely. One thousand percent. The intention is for your own self-reflection. Mm-hmm. to potentially process with the support person we already discussed and or in more extreme cases there have been times where it has been needed for whether it be legal situations um reporting to higher um higher entities if you're being medically mm-hmm. gaslit or gaslit at work going to the HR department so not to the person who is doing this behavior not to the person group or entity because remember, it doesn't have to be just one person. Mm-hmm. It can mm-hmm. be a group that yes. is gaslighting. Yes. Um, so yes, please don't go use this as evidence with that individual. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and we and it's and it's I think it's natural. Like, you know, when I when I sort of identified that, like, oh, I think I'm being abused, of course, the first thing I did was go mm-hmm. to my husband and say, like, oh, look you're abusing me. Like, mm-hmm. surely you don't want to be abusing me, but mm-hmm. actually the the behaviors that you're accepting are abusive. So like, you should totally stop that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously was, that should work. <laughs> yeah. Didn't work. <laughs> I'm, I'm not recommending anyone um, go purposely speak to an abuser or gaslighter today. However, just to throw this out there, if you're in a healthy relationship that maybe mm-hmm. potentially is going through a toxic period or some struggles and you go to your partner and you say, I don't know if you've heard of this term before, but the way you treated me last night really made me feel like you were gaslighting me. In a healthy relationship, the other person might say, wow, uh, that was not my intention. I am so mm-hmm. sorry. Let's talk about this. Let's work through this. But that's in a completely different situation. And so how would someone know that that was the relationship they were in besides another one other than an abusive one without bringing it to them? I mean, obviously, their reaction when you do bring it to them is a clear indicator. Right. 
Well, I would imagine that most relation, and actually, no, I don't imagine. I, I, I know as I think about everything that I've learned about this, abusive relationships generally don't start hot out of the gate. Right. Right. Otherwise we'd, right. Yeah. Everyone would wouldn't be there. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So it is going to be a slow build. So watch your relationship. If, if your relationship is the kind of relationship where you can come to the person and say your concern and then the other person, maybe they'll be hurt or offended, or maybe they're going through a hard period, but they will at least listen and validate you. That's, mm-hmm. that's a dynamic yes. where you will want to come to the other person and say, this is what's happening. But that's the whole problem of why abusive relationships are abusive is that that safety isn't there. And if you don't feel safe coming to your partner about feeling like you've been gaslit, that's probably a good indicator that there's a power of control imbalance. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So we've so you've sort of mapped out a few of the steps, right? Mm-hmm. Become aware, get some outside feedback. Mm-hmm. Start to write down, gather evidence for mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. And then what's next? How do we, how do we begin? Because that's sort of like, that doesn't even feel like the beginning of healing. I mean, it is the beginning of healing, but that mm-hmm. also doesn't feel like um, uh, relieving, right. I guess. I don't oh, know. Absolutely. Right. right. It's it's kind of like going to therapy and talking about all your issues and then just going, okay, well, those are my issues. <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess I'm being gaslit. See you later. Okay. Here's my copay. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, no. So at, from there, the next step really, if at all possible, is boundary setting. And so for some, that is going to look like ending the relationship or cutting off the relationship or quitting the job or changing your doctor or who ending a friendship. So this is a great step where you do that. However, more often than not, that's not always possible. So what boundaries can you set? Does it look like less time with the other person? Does it look like if you're in a co-parenting situation, does it look like cutting off certain forms of communication where you know Mm -hmm. they're going to be more likely to gaslight you versus maybe I've heard you mention before a co-parenting app, for instance. Yes, exactly. Co-parenting app is one of the best boundaries out there because they can't really gaslight you when all their communication can be submitted to court. (laughs) I mean, they can, Mm -hmm. but they'd be pretty dumb to continue to do it. Right. So if Mm -hmm. at all, there are any boundaries that can be set, this is a good moment to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, now I have to say, I have worked with folks who at this point, I can think of a a client I worked with where her boundary was separating bedrooms. So she no longer was in the same bedroom as her partner. And Mm -hmm. they started kind of living parallel lives, even though they were still in the same home and weren't necessarily going through a separation, you know, so for her, she, and you can probably hear the tone of my voice that I wanted more for her, but for her, she figured out the extent of what boundaries she could set. Okay. From there, when you can set those boundaries and, you know, really all along the way, the self-care piece is paramount Mm -hmm. from the very beginning. Anything that can be done 
to reground your sense of self, to reconnect you with your sense of self is actually going to make you less, um, less of a target because Mm -hmm. you remain so much more intact with who you are. Right. Exactly. Um, I want to get to the self-care, but I want to go back to boundaries for a quick second because, Mm -hmm. you know, very often, um, I'll hear women say, well, I told him he can't talk to me that way. Like Mm -hmm. I set a boundary, Mm -hmm. right? And again, expecting an abuser or expecting someone who's gaslighting you to be like, oh, okay, (laughs) (laughs) is insane. Mm -hmm. And so that's not a boundary, right? Mm -hmm. A boundary is actually removing yourself from the situation, removing yourself from Mm -hmm. the bedroom, Mm -hmm. removing yourself from the relationship or right, just, or setting, it's like setting, you know what I think about? You know, the, t- I don't know if you, I don't know if this is just a New York thing, but you know, that real famous tapestry that's at the cloisters in New York of the unicorn that's in the little enclosed, it's got a little fence around it. Okay. Pass. I, I, <laughs> it's funny. I'm you're, from New York and I have family there. I feel ashamed that I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to, I'm going to Google I'll send, it. <laughs> I'll send you the picture. Okay. Thank you. There, But it is just sort of set. It's like, it's a moat, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you are digging. A, the reason that there were moats and drawbridges was because you couldn't expect your enemies to not come and attack your castle. Good metaphor. Right? So you had mm-hmm. to have moats and alligators and drawbridges mm-hmm. <laughs> so that you could protect yourself. That I mean, that's a wonderful mm-hmm. metaphor. I love that. Yeah. I mean, the thing of it is, is that, and this is actually another good indicator that the person you're speaking to is abusive. If you tell someone how you feel, and the other person respects the boundary or validates or listens, that's one thing. But with a gaslighter or potentially a narcissist or other abusers, they're going to take what you said, find the little area within it in which your insecurity lies, and then just drive their gaslighting wedge right in there. They're going to weaponize that so hard. They sure are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they sure are. And and so that's why I think what you were saying about self-care is so important, right? It's like mm-hmm. we are fortifying ourselves from the inside out, right? And and with with so many of us who, who struggle with this mm-hmm. are codependent. And for, as codependents, we derive our sense of self from the outside Mm -hmm. and usually from our partner, right? And so that's why the self-care is so important because we're actually fortifying ourselves from the inside so no one can fuck with that. Right. I love that. Right? Yes. Yeah. When you're deriving your sense of self from from the the outside, people can fuck with it. (laughs) Well, it's funny if we take your metaphor from before and we get it all Latin about this, fortify, fortress, there's probably, see, you like that? Uh Mm -hmm. I do. I do. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Bring it in the Latin. That's good. (laughs) I'm horrible at language. Knew it would be, I would knew it would be useful someday. (laughs) Oh my God. So yes. Right. So self-care, what does that look like? We talk about it all the time. Well, I mean, it can look different for everyone, but one thing that I really love to remind folks I work with is that it doesn't have to be extraordinary. It doesn't have to be something that takes a lot of time. It doesn't have to be something inconvenient. It can be the little ways that we breathe throughout the day, that we talk to ourselves throughout the day. It can be 
deciding something that you love that brings you joy, that's fun and engaging in it. So for some people, Mm -hmm. it might be gardening for other people. It might be journaling for other people. It might be watching a movie. I mean, it can be something really simple or it can be these more deliberate efforts. I mean, I know for me, exercise is the type of self-care that I have to have every day. So Mm -hmm. if you start to notice when I don't do this thing, I start to feel more agitated. That's usually a good sign that that form of self-care is one of the more grounding forms for you. Now watch a gaslighter try to attack that. So let's say hypothetically, right? How can you spend all that time on yourself? Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so being able to stand up for these self-care exercises or activities or these things that you need is a way to continue, as you said, fortifying yourself that isn't necessarily connected to the gaslighter. Now, someone who is really trying to isolate you or maintain power of control over you is really going to push against your self-care. That's a big red flag. Absolutely. Absolutely. hundred percent. Why, why do you need, oh, this is, this is one I hear all the time from, from clients that their, that their husbands will be like, why do you, why do you need to go out with your friends? Like, don't you want to spend time with your family? Aren't we, aren't we enough for you? Mm. Or, you know, why do you, why are you taking time? It, it's, it's sort of, it's, and it's playing right into that, that you, like you said, that, that, that little sliver of insecurity, right? Right. That mom guilt, mm-hmm. but you're taking time away from the kids. You're taking time away from us. You're taking time away from family. Mm. And, you know, truly in reality, the more we can do that, the better, the better moms, the better wives, the better friends, the better therapists, the better professionals that we are. Mm -hmm. This that's right. And, you know, if you think about it, I'm going to get really kind of, uh, societal for a moment here, please. You're on the right podcast, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm thinking of women in the statement. If we, Mm -hmm. if we don't allow women to engage in self-care, they, they really do remain in a much less powerful position. Of course. And that's exactly, exactly where certain entities want them to stay. And, you know, every gender and everyone has and can experience gaslighting. But as I've mentioned before, the word hysteria has existed Mm -hmm. for hundreds of years. And it's a form of medical gaslighting that has plagued women and has been targeted at women for all far too long. And now it is just used in a different form. For those who don't know the history of hysteria, um, can you, uh, and the medical gaslighting around it, mm-hmm. um, do you want to just give them a, a brief lowdown so they can get real mad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it's not in the diagnostic manual anymore. Luckily. Uh-huh. However, uh-huh. I'd say about two to 300 years ago, I'll have to go and, uh, look up the exact, uh, number here, probably even further back. Any time that a woman was experiencing basically any ailment, uh, whether it be mental, physical, and especially in relation to anything related to the ovaries, they were over-categorized as having hysteria. So you could have someone who's presenting with postpartum depression, for instance, hysteria, someone who is um, feeling really cruddy once a month because maybe they have different menstrual issues, hysteria. 
someone who is actually having, let's say, bipolar psychosis, hysteria. It was an umbrella that was targeted at women, which what it did was it limited research. I mean, even that far back, you think of it this way, we can't research what we can't name. Mm -hmm. We're just all hysterical. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And what was the treatment? Oh my goodness. Uh, Isolation. A lot of times. A lot of times they were- Right, right. Removed from Mm -hmm. society. Um, yeah. not given treatment also. That's, that's mm-hmm. the other right. scary well, right. thing, mm-hmm. right? If it, right. if it's categorized right. and just put into this balloon and put into the space that is a vacuum, they're not getting the treatments that they needed. And so oftentimes that was a form of medical gaslighting that women today still experience going to the doctor and actually, uh, okay. So I'm, I'm kind of a Peloton geek. I really, I love it. I love the instructors. I told you exercise is my like self-care. Yeah. I just read about one of the instructors. um, I want to say Ainsby or something. She's from Britain. She's wonderful. Oh, okay. Uh She had found a lump and she's 35. She goes to the doctor. They checked. Seems like nothing. You're fine. She's like, "Mm -mm, something's off. So she had enough awareness within herself to realize that she was experiencing medical gaslighting and medical gaslighting looks like minimizing your concerns by calling them either emotional or saying that they're based off of illogical research or a lack of information. So she went Mm -hmm. and got a second opinion, thankfully, because they did more thorough testing and found lo and behold, she had breast cancer. So imagine breast cancer, which is also just like I mean, it's kind of a basic. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. She has a lump for her to have to go to two providers. Right. Well, and, you know, more medical gaslighting. Um, The New York Times article, we should link to it in the show notes about uh, women in menopause. Mm. And have you read that one? It came out a couple Mm -hmm. weeks ago. And it's all about menopause and all about the medical gaslighting and all about the lack of research. And I mean, it, it is... It's a long read, but it's a, it's an important read for all women, even if you're not in menopause yet. <laughs> Newsflash, you will be, mm-hmm. and we need to know mm-hmm. um, what it's act, what's actually happening in our bodies, and how we're just literally not um, studied. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares. Well, I mean, isn't the clitoris? Isn't it still not in the anatomy books? I don't know. <laughs> I have to go look. That, that's wild. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Women's pleasure. Like who cares? Well, and if you think about it this way, the things that are not being researched, for instance, menopause, it's Uh just not quote a sexy thing to research, I guess. Right. Well, it should be, it should be. Yeah. But who's making that decision? Well, right. Of course men. And that's, and that's the other thing is that again, we're just hysterical. Mm-hmm. We're just, uh, you know, you're just menopausal, mm-hmm. right? We we are supposed to be okay mm-hmm. with becoming lethargic, depressed, overweight, um, you know, uh, sweating mm-hmm. <laughs> all the time. There's a great line in the article where she's like, if men had all of these symptoms, if men's genitalia basically shriveled up <laughs> into dryness and practically fell off 
and they were sweating profusely 20 times a day, do you think anyone would say to a man, oh, don't worry, honey, that's just totally normal? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> right? There would be a fucking pill for that. And, you know, and, the, and there is. There is a pill for that. But the research that set, told us that it was dangerous and caused cancer had has been debunked for decades mm. and or I don't know how many years, like at least 10 years. And nobody told us. Mm. Yeah, that's an, nobody I would told love us. to read that article. It's actually safe. It's actually safe to be on hormones. It's actually mm. beneficial. Mm hmm. And you know what? It's the other thing too. Just speaking of this medical gaslighting, because we're we're swinging from hysteria to menopause to these things that are very um, we can kind of very pointedly say this has to do with gender, mm -hmm. heart disease. Exactly. If you take a look at the way that heart disease was researched, it completely ignored the symptom presentation that women have. Because mm -hmm. women actually experience a completely different, not completely, but a markedly different set of symptoms. So right. it's dangerous not to equally look at all genders and to work through medical gaslighting because eventually people you care about are going to be negatively impacted by this. That's right. That's right. Our symptoms of a female heart attack is what they're calling it now, right? Because we are symptoms of a heart attack and stroke present completely differently for men. But the mm -hmm. only symptoms that you see on posters mm -hmm. are the ones for men. Mm -hmm. And so we don't know we're having heart attacks because mm -hmm. it, we're not having shooting pain down our right arm or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever else. Right. Mm -hmm. Maybe you okay. should, maybe, maybe in the show notes, you should also post a link to the symptoms <laughs> symptoms of just for in women. Case. I, I think we will i think we will just in case <laughs> right so okay so self-care these are mm -hmm. all the reasons right self-care this is not about getting a mani patty this is about i mean female self-care is about researching mm -hmm. you know our um you know learning about menopause learning about female heart attacks like what could be more mm -hmm. self-care but that's also, we're also talking, I think in this and in, in healing from um, gaslighting, we're also talking about sort of a somatic experience, mm -hmm. True. right? Mm -hmm. That, that we want to get back reconnected, as you said, with self, right? Mm -hmm. And not in an intellectual way. Well, true. As, as I was saying, that experience I had with the professional gaslighting where I got that ick in my stomach. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Our bodies react when we're being gaslit, when we're being marginalized, when we feel unsafe. And so if you're chronically feeling unsafe, your body can become very dysregulated in its ability to know when it is safe. Your, if anyone wants to, let's add more show notes, the polyvagal theory. Um, if you want to take mm -hmm. a look at how there are certain nerves in your body that let you know whether it's okay to digest, whether it's okay to rest, whether it's okay to connect. And so if you're starting to feel like you just don't feel comfortable around other people, if you don't feel comfortable in a public setting, these can all be signs and symptoms of the chronic stress of being emotionally abused. Mm -hmm. And so there are things that which are self-care tactics such as yoga, meditation, chanting, EFT tapping, the emotional freedom technique, acupuncture, 
therapeutic massage from someone that you feel comfortable with breath practices, like really marked breath practices. Actually my favorite one, bees breath directly impacts your vagus nerve because it uses the chanting mm. mechanism. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so these are skills that can be not only seen as self-care, but also self-regulation because what you, it kind of makes me think of, um, giving up dairy. This might sound like an mm-hmm. odd comparison, but let's say you give up dairy and you're like, I'm doing it right. And a couple months go by, you're feeling great. You have a piece of pizza and you feel like hell. Right. Yes. No, it's so true. Uh-huh. Right. So hypothet- I'm right there with you. <laughs> right. Right. So hypothetically speaking, you could have probably always eaten dairy and felt a little off, but you wouldn't have really noticed. You wouldn't have had this violent reaction to a piece of pizza similar to self-care and self-regulation. So the more we can remain regulated within our body, the more we will pick up on when someone is treating us poorly, when someone is gaslighting, we're already humming at a safer state. It's there's actually that, you know, that research, the broken window theory, it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. They were, they were examining, these researchers were examining neighborhoods that were marked to be a bit more rough. They had broken windows. They had, you know, all the, the just in disheveled. These places tended to have higher crime. Why is that? We don't, we don't even need to dive too deep into that. But what was happening is people who are chronically stressed in these settings eventually just kind of become accustomed, unfortunately, to the setting and become Mm -hmm. right, become acclimated to that level of danger, which has Mm -hmm. so many negative impacts that Mm -hmm. we would need a whole nother podcast to talk about that. But if you are (laughs) in a setting where everything is pristine, everything looks fine. And then there's one crime that happens. Everyone knows everyone's running out. Everyone's calling what's happening. You know, it's, it's that, it's that difference. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So knowing yes. that and feeling that is what happens when we can self-regulate our bodies. I love it. So important. We have gone on and on and on, and there's so, probably so much more to say, but I think we have to, we probably have to wrap it up. Is there anything else that you want to say that we haven't covered yet? <laughs> Quickly. Oh my goodness. In relation to gas. Like have we, I mean, we really have sort of covered the, the healing, mm-hmm. the healing modalities and techniques and the way, the ways right. of healing, which is really what we mm-hmm. set up to do. I think one of the big things too, is that if you have experienced this and you know what it Mm is, a big part of healing sometimes is helping other people understand that they're experiencing that. So, you know, being that support for one another and, and calling a spade a spade and saying, speaking up against it can be very empowering. And it really just, as you were saying, a movement, it really just helps to perpetuate and move this movement wider and wider. And I think that's so important. Mm. Amen, sister. Amen. All right. Where can people find you, Amelia? Because they obviously have to follow you and keep up with you. Where are you at? So I am on Instagram at Dr. Amelia Kelly, and that's with an EY. You can also go to my website, ameliakelly.com. I have 
some quizzes, some meditations. We're going to be coming out with a HSP toolbox for highly sensitive people soon. Ooh, I want that. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't say the name of it or direct release date as of yet, but I am publishing a book with Penguin Random House coming out later in the year to assist women who have experienced gaslighting to find their empowerment and thrive after. So I'm very excited about that. So if you want uh, access to that when it comes out, make sure you follow Amelia on all the channels. Amelia, thank you so much for being here. As always, I learn something new from you every time we talk. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.